0: Hello, and welcome back to another amazing episode. I have a very lovely guest here today who I cannot wait to introduce you to. So let's get into it because we are talking about stepping into your power through shadow work and being selfish. We have Danielle Massey. She is a licensed psychotherapist, number one best-selling author, CEO of the Wellness Collective, and the leading expert on shadow work. Recently published in The Cult New York Times, or excuse me, New York Magazine as the foremost expert in shadow work, Danielle is on a mission to help people understand how to access the unconscious mind and reprogram themselves for health, wealth, and alignment. Danielle is known for her authenticity and her unique way of seamlessly blending science and spirituality to make the shadow accessible to everyone and she also just wrapped up her Selfish Philly conference so you can connect with Danielle at dot WellnessPHL.com and SelfishPhilly.com all links will be in the description for this episode so Danielle welcome thank you thanks for having me on absolutely and as I was saying earlier, right before uh, we started recording, so we actually know each other. Yeah, her PR team reached out to me and just said, hey, we have this guest. I'm just like, wait a minute, that name sounds familiar. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait, I saw her a couple of days
1: ago. <laughs> It's funny. So I have a publicist and they're always booking podcasts and like reaching out to people. So they will mm-hmm. set me up with stuff all the time, but we had just hung out two days before when they were like, Hey, you want to do this podcast? And I was like, "Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll
0: do that sure. one. <laughs> sure. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. Yes. Yeah, so I definitely, I want to get right into it, but first I want to ask, cause I love asking authors this because I know for me, my first book, it took about Roughly a year and a half, two years to write, about the same for the second one. So, I want to know how long did it take you to write your book? And also, what was that process for you? Because you were and you know, and you continue to be very vulnerable in telling your story.
1: Yeah, I had a weird situation when it came to writing my book. So, Mm -hmm. last year in June, so June of 2021, a publishing house reached out to me and asked me to write the book on shadow work. And I was like, I don't know if I'm qualified enough. Like you get into all that fear and stuff like that. And they were like, no, it's you. We're going to do it now. And we want the book to come out in the spring. And I was like, oh crap, (laughs) like that's a lot of pressure. So we went through the process. I found an agent really fast and I had to start writing immediately. Like there was no chance for me to wait, Mm -hmm. but I host Selfish Philly, which is a big annual conference. And this, by the time we like hammered out all the details of the contract Mm -hmm. was right before Selfish Philly 2021. So, I didn't get a chance to really start writing until October of last year. Mm-hmm. And I had to deliver the book by January 29th. And I did. Wow. Yeah, it was a huge, like really, really big book and a very short turnaround, which was in a lot of ways, it was good. Because mm-hmm. I think if it was a longer period of time, I probably yeah. would have hyper fixated on little things that I didn't need That's to. True. I would have worked it to death. Mm-hmm. But it did feel. Like a lot of pressure to get it done so fast and to make sure that it was concise. The shadow work is very deep. And especially the science aspect of it, Mm -hmm. you have to be very careful to make sure that every stone was like not left unturned.
0: Right. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you for that insight because writing is definitely definitely a process. And you want to make sure you get your message across and that you you know hit all the markings as you were saying because especially with shadow work this is multi-layered and that's why I love how you dive into the conscious subconscious and something I haven't heard anyone talk about maybe in a very long time uh, because you did mention the biology of belief in your book and when you said when you wrote that was just like "Ah," because I hardly hear people talk about this so the unconscious and I was just like ooh So let's, let's, let's have this conversation. I have so many questions for you, so (laughs) I can get them all out. I'm ready. (laughs) So one one of the things that you talked about, and I really identify with this, is the the pushing through and ignoring your body. And what I noticed over the years is that that's what we've been told, but without discernment, which is why I love how you talk about through shadow work. And I actually want to read a passage from your book because it really just brought everything together. And you wrote here, I blame myself because I have been ignoring the signs of my body that have been giving me suggestions, suggesting that something was wrong, and instead just continue to push forward, focused on the next milestone I was attempting to reach. So once you started the shadow work, I would love you to elaborate how it shift your life and change their relationships with people in your life.
1: Yeah, it was massive, like a night and day transformation. Mm -hmm. Before shadow work, I developed cancer. And this happened in 2018 that I was diagnosed. Leading up to that point, I had all these warning signs. I developed shingles at 21 years old, which is something that doesn't happen unless you're extremely stressed out. My doctors are like, whatever you're doing, you have to cut it out because you should not be this stressed. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And I just went back to doing what I do. I was a Penn State professor at the time. And so I right after I graduated grad school, it's like immediately going to work there. I had a private practice. I was a psychotherapist. I've seen clients from the second I was done at work to like 10 o'clock at night. And I had two kids and a husband. So it was just nonstop, nonstop. And I was getting sick all the time. And I would still go to work sick. I just Mm -hmm. got used to it. And then when I developed cancer, everything changed. Mm -hmm. And right when that happened, I really dove back into shadow work because it's something I taught at school. Mm -hmm. I literally taught shadow work at Penn State. It was part of my curriculum, but I wasn't doing it. I wasn't practicing it. It was just something I talked about all the time. So once that happened and I started going into the shadow and really revisiting the moments that were trapped within my unconscious, Mm -hmm. I was able to see where I learned those behaviors. I was able to see the moments where I was completely stressed out and traumatized as a child, as a young adult, as a teenager, even in my twenties. And when I would go back to those times and heal them completely, I stopped being triggered by things. So when I went into my adult life, then post-cancer, 30 years old, nothing affected me the way that it used to. Mm-hmm. And my level of caring about the hustle was like zero yeah, I exactly. all the time. Like it, it just, I stopped caring about what people thought about me, mm-hmm. I stopped caring about anything really, except for what made me feel good. What made me feel connected mm-hmm. to other people, what made me feel whole and how I could help. And if it wasn't one of those things, I was not interested. And that remains now. And my relationships with people are so much better. They're healthy. They're bounded. People know exactly what they're going to get from me. And they know exactly what they're not going to get from me too, which is just as important. And I feel every day extremely fulfilled. I couldn't be more grateful for that.
0: Ah, uh, How beautiful is that? I just, I even felt a sense of relief as you were talking because you have these categories that you're just like, if whatever's going on doesn't fall under any one of these things, you you can't, you can't be in this space. And I love that. That's what's needed.
1: Yeah. I think as women, we're all taught that we're supposed to help and we're supposed to do more and we can't always do more. And we really shouldn't, we need to take that step back and figure out how to make ourselves feel good first. And then anything else you want to do is bonus.
0: Yeah, and and you're right, everything else should be a bonus, because when we try to make other people feel good, when we try to make other people happy, when we try to do a lot, and we put ourselves on a back burner, eventually, eventually something's going to happen that's just like a, hey, wake up call, this is not sustainable. And unfortunately, it takes X amount of years to get to that point which is why I loved, you also talked about the the subconscious loop. And when you got to that, I was just like, I wish I had her. <laughs> I me I had so me. many years ago,
1: <laughs> I wish I had me so many years ago. <laughs> this is everything I needed, but that subconscious feedback loop is mm-hmm. just how we create memories and how mm-hmm. we store trauma based on that. So, if we're constantly going about our lives and having moments that are even remotely traumatic, because there can be little T traumas, small things, mm-hmm. and there can also be life adversity, which we don't talk about enough. I didn't really get into that in the book, but we all have life adversity. We have moments where we're bullied. We have moments that we're picked on. And in those moments where we experience that, we have a physical reaction. So, our whole body is activated. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, any moment that occurs that's similar to that. Beyond this point will trigger the same experience until right. eventually we're in that walking state of fight or flight all the time, and it's mm-hmm. extremely unhealthy
0: yeah, and I love the example you gave because a lot of things do stem from childhood, and when you talked about you know when a child hears something, they internalize that we don 't realize how much we internalize and how much goes into the unconscious. And so how, how can someone uh, learn or, or at least discover that, oh my gosh, I'm having a subconscious feedback loop so I can break it?
1: Yeah. So the easiest way to discover if there's shadow work that needs to be done is looking for your triggers. Mm-hmm. So if you're just paying attention on a regular basis, because most of us, especially if we haven't done shadow work before, will have a trigger at least once a day. A moment where your body starts flipping on. It could be sitting in traffic on your way to work, which anybody who lives outside of Philly or a major city, you know that feeling. (laughs) Yeah, that's a trigger. So let's use that example, right? You feel Mm -hmm. that trigger. And now what's going to happen is that situation, that experience of being stuck, Mm -hmm. having the noises around you, um, any physical experience, like literally holding the steering wheel, feeling the car seat on your back, All of that will change how you feel internally. It'll create an emotional reaction. And that Mm -hmm. emotional reaction is just a message. It'll send a message down to the body. And when that message gets sent onto the body, it usually is telling the body to start producing adrenaline and cortisol, which are the two chemicals associated with fight or flight. And when that gets activated, You start to have your heart racing. You start to have your palms sweating. Mm -hmm. Your stomach might start to flip flop. You could start to get a little cloudy in your head or like um, brain fog. You might have racing thoughts. You might start to get tense where your shoulders are creeping all the way up to your ears. And when that happens, it actually creates a chemical reaction in the body to send a message back up through the spine. And that is through the enteric nervous system. We all think that our thoughts are in our head, but actually they originate from our gut which is why a healthy microbiome is so important. And so that creates a loop. So now all those experiences, emotions, physical reactions, and thoughts come together when you're triggered to create that crazy reaction in your body over and over and over again. But let's say you did shadow work around the first time you felt stuck because it probably isn't the traffic. Traffic sucks, but it's not the traffic per se. It's the feeling of being stuck that's bothering you. Let's go back and figure out why. When was it that you felt stuck, that you couldn't escape, that you were trapped in some scenario? And when we see that moment again, we can interrupt that subconscious feedback loop. We can change how you experience it, change the emotions that are created in your brain, the physical reaction that you have. We can change it with breath work and also the thoughts that you have around it. And that's how you create change, that shadow work. And it's easier than it
0: sounds. Wow, that is truly amazing. You're right, because it's not about the traffic. The traffic will always be there. like It's not going to go away. So what is the real issue? Because you can't control that. Maybe you can go another route one day, but you're going to face traffic again. And it's, yeah, that feeling stuck.
1: And some wow. people don't experience that. Some people are like, whatever, I'll just listen to music. But yeah. for some reason, most people are triggered by it. I think it's because at some point in our childhoods, we all have an experience where we're stuck somewhere. Like mom right. didn't pick us up from daycare in time, or maybe right. older brother locked you in a closet, like something happened. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what the root cause is, you're just going to feel the trigger and mm-hmm. feel like you're going off the rails. And that's a terrible feeling.
0: Right, exactly. And so you talk about the conscious, the subconscious and the unconscious. So- First, I thought that our subconscious ruled a lot and our conscious kind of carries out instructions or whatever the case may be. But it sounds like the unconscious is like the silent partner or, or like the real leader. So is, is that accurate? Because I, again, I haven't heard too many people talk about the unconscious,
1: a lot of people loop the subconscious and the unconscious together. And even in the neuroscience world, like when I studied cognitive neuroscience at Temple University, a lot of researchers will loop them together, okay. but there's also the distinction between the two different pieces. And if we go into, I don't want to say the true way to do it, like I'm sitting on my high horse, but there is a distinction between the two processes because the unconscious is not easily accessible and you need to be in certain brainwave states to get there. Versus the subconscious, which you can get to all the time. We have this ability, something called metacognition, where we can think about our thoughts once we get to like age seven or eight, before that point, it's really hard, which is why if you ask a kid why they did something, they're like, I don't know, I can't. But if you ask a 12 year old, why did you do that? They have a legitimate answer. I felt like it. I wanted a cookie. It was sitting in front of me. Like there's a direct answer to that question because that's a subconscious behavior. Yeah. They might not have planned it out ahead of time. They weren't like, oh, I'm going to get one over on you and go grab a cookie. They just grabbed one. And there wasn't a thought. The same way when we wake up in the morning and we reach over and grab our iPhone and start to scroll, that's mm. subconscious. You're not waking up and going, I wonder what the internet has to say at 630 this morning. Right. Grab again. And those subconscious behaviors and personality traits rule up in a lot of ways, but they're created by your unconscious mind. And so if we can change your unconscious mind, if we can alter what's there, we can by proxy change your subconscious behaviors, feelings, thoughts, and even your personality. We can take someone who's very introverted and make them into the biggest extrovert. We can take someone who's aggressive and make them extremely peaceful. You can change anything when you get to that unconscious root.
0: Wow. That's wow. I'm just, I'm just in awe. Like I'm, I'm going to just keep saying wow, because. You know, the mind is such a beautiful thing. And once we start to understand more of ourselves, then we can break that the, the, the subconscious feedback loop. We can understand why we do certain things. And as you were saying in your book, create that life of our dreams. And so I love how you also break down part of you know the title of shadow work. So what exactly is shadow work? I would love for you to break this down because so many people um I think it's this big, scary thing. It's gotten a bad rep because it's not necessarily pretty <laughs> because you're discovering all these things it. about yourself. <laughs> so can you dive into exactly what it is? Because we, we have the, the idea of the importance of the conscious, subconscious, unconscious. So yeah, I would love that breakdown.
1: Yeah, TikTok kills me for this because I'm constantly like <laughs> I scroll through there every once in a while with the hashtag shadow work. So I'm like, what are other people saying right now? And right. when they're like, subconscious work, just journal this out. I'm like, no, don't. <laughs> That's not it. <laughs> <You're> like, <"Yeah."> <laughs> <laughs> well, like nothing grinds my gears more. So shadow work, shadow is another term for the unconscious. It was coined in 1863 by Carl Jung, who's a famous Swiss psychiatrist. When he came up with it, it was at a time where he was working really closely with Freud. And Freud was coming up with the idea of the ego. The ego is a process of the unconscious mind. And it essentially keeps us in homeostasis. So when he was working with Freud, he discovered that we all are ruled by things that we don't remember moments from our lives that change the trajectory of how we see the world for good mm-hmm. and when we do shadow work what we're doing is we're going into that unconscious mind usually through meditation but there are other ways to get there such as plant medicine especially uh, psilocybin is fantastic for this mm-hmm. also um if you were to do ayahuasca but please under supervision with someone who's very skilled in what they do. Yes, <laughs> <Under> supervision. <laughs> but, and that also all of those different aspects will get you to what's called a theta brainwave state. And when your brain is in theta, it's really relaxed, but you're still conscious, you're still awake. And so we can access unconscious memories while you're awake, when you're in that state. And it's easy to get there. Every time you drift off to sleep, when you're still awake. And like, if you have to pee, you can get up and go do that. You're in theta. Or if you're daydreaming as you're driving to work, you're in theta. And that's when you access the unconscious. It's easy. We all do it every single day. So shadow work is just the process of going into that unconscious mind through theta to remember things. And when you remember them, interrupting the subconscious feedback loop at any point that you feel like. I always recommend breath work because if you can change how you're breathing in a moment where you're seeing something scary, it's not as scary anymore.
0: Wow. I love that it's also simple techniques to the breathing and of course, under supervision, you know, when you are working with, you know, different elements and in addition to working with yourself, with the breathing and so forth you just, you see things start to come together and things start to make sense. And it sounds like also new pathways are open and old pathways get deleted or just like left. So is that some of the things that you see in your practice when you're helping people?
1: Yeah, we actually, there's MRI studies that show that people will lose old neural pathways through a process called synaptic pruning Mm -hmm. and create new neural pathways through synaptogenesis when they are able to interrupt their subconscious feedback loop. So when we can do that about your earliest memories, like here's another example that I love anytime as a young child that you watched a scary movie like probably something you weren't supposed to see, mom and dad were watching it and you like crept over behind them on the couch and you saw something that terrified you, like your whole body turns to ice in that moment. If you were to realize that you have that unconscious memory through shadow work, but you changed how you were breathing, like you're thinking about what you saw on that screen, but instead of feeling terror, you're breathing deeply in through the nose, not through the mouth, maybe even a box breath. In that moment, your brain starts to change how it exists. Your body slows down. It's no longer in fight or flight. It switches into rest and digest. And so most likely the thought that will come up then is that actually wasn't that bad. Yeah. It was terrifying when I was three, but Mm -hmm. at 43, not that bad. Who cares? It was a weird looking clown. Who cares? And now the fear then stemmed from that moment. If you're triggered in any other scenario that would have replicated that, like something surprised you or shocked you, mm-hmm. you're not going to jump the way that you would have before. It literally mm-hmm. changes how your entire system reacts.
0: That is amazing. Man, imagine if even more people were able to have access to this, say in high school. Oh my God. How their adult lives would be completely different.
1: I can see it even with my kids now, because when they experience trauma, my daughter was just bullied on the bus the other day. Mm-hmm. And when stuff like that happens, like as a mother, I want to go kill that child. And sure, no, yeah, but yeah. like you'd get what I mean, but yeah. instead of <laughs> yeah. with her and we breathe about it and we go, okay, let's take a couple of deep breaths. Mm-hmm. Let's think about what happened. Maybe nice. that kid had a bad day. Maybe mm-hmm. that kid doesn't have the best situation at home. How can you talk to them in that moment and show some empathy and go, are you all right? Like what can mm. we do to change that whole scenario? And so she did that. She went in the next day and she talked with this girl who's bullying her. And she said, I'm sorry. And I won't do it again. How often do you get apologized wow. to people Just by showing a little bit of empathy. And now that will wow. never stick in either of their nervous systems.
0: Right. Wow. Yeah, because we associate things with other things so maybe when she sees a school bus it's like oh that bully on the school bus you know why she's an adult driving or she'll yeah. past school so wow like that that is truly amazing what a beautiful beautiful thing and so what are some of the things you find yourself debunking in this process when you're helping people
1: I think the biggest thing is just the what is shadow work that mm-hmm. comes up constantly and I think a huge part of me writing the book and also my TikTok content, and my Instagram reels is really about just educating people on what it is because it's mm-hmm. a powerful tool. And I don't care if you don't work with me. I don't care if you never read my book, but you should know what it is and yeah. find ways to integrate it into your own life in a way that feels really good. That's probably the biggest thing I have to debunk because the science behind it is so strong. And the research continues to get stronger. There are people like Dr. Stephen Porges and polyvagal theory who are showing how much that subconscious feedback loop literally runs us. And it's taking therapy, the entire field of therapy in a different direction away from being just about talking Mm -hmm. and into more somatics. I keep seeing more and more practitioners getting specialized in polyvagal or EMDR or NET or literally doing shadow work, which is incredible.
0: Yeah, and it's so... Needed, which leads me to my my next point. Because once we go through that shadow work, and as you were saying in, in your book, you once you heal, you complete something. Then there's that time period where you you got to get back into a group, but you're not getting back into your old life. It's life in general, but then your new life per se. So, can can you provide some some tips, some strategy, strategies to help people to understand that? Yes, you, you healed, you, you completed something, but then it's this, it's this time period too that people tend to skip, like when they rush back to work or, well, maybe not rush back to work. No one's really rushing. But <laughs> you get what, what I'm saying to. because I, I felt <laughs> like that when, when I had my foot surgery and I healed, but then I had to mentally get back into everything.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're all trained to just like rush back to our old lives. Like you did it and good. Now you have to get back to the real world. And I think that's unfortunate. Because we really need the time for integration. Integration is a huge piece of the puzzle. And that's really where the subconscious comes in. We can do all this unconscious shadow work and we can change the way that your brain is wired.
0: But your brain
1: and your body naturally want to exist at whatever your homeostasis is. And your homeostasis and mine are very different from each other's. Everyone is different. Our brains are as unique as fingerprints. No ones are the same. And so the brain does this. Because homeostasis, the place where it's always existed, is where it feels comfortable because it creates a predictable known. If X plus Y, we're going to equal Z. And if we know that, and now you're substituting out something entirely different, you go, I just learned A plus B equals C Mm -hmm.
0: the brain's like,
1: yeah, but we've been doing that X plus Y equals Z thing for a while. So like, that's where I want to live. Let's go back to that time. Right. so your brain and your body and your energy will fight you to try and get you back to your known Mm -hmm. scenario. This is the reason why we see people who even twins, I love epigenetics in the field of studying, um, how our genes impact us. But there are twins who don't look the same because each one of them had different experiences in their life. And those different experiences that they had changed what's called their phenotype or the way that their genes are expressed. Our genes are like a light switch. They can be flipped on or flipped off. So if you have one twin who broke her leg in a skiing accident when she was 12 and the other one didn't, Mm
0: -hmm. you might
1: find that by the time they're 30 years old, one of them's two inches shorter than the other one they will physically start to be different on top of being mentally different. And it's because when we create this new homeostasis, now there's a part of me that's carrying this unconscious trauma. My version of reality is different than yours. So after we do shadow work, after we go in and we heal, and even if it's not shadow work, even if it's physically healing from something, like for me, surgeries for my cancer, for you, surgeries for your foot, if we run right back to what we've always done, we're undoing a lot of the work that our mind, body, and energy already did. So integration is so key. We have to give our body and our mind and our energy time to adjust to the new normal.
0: Man, that's, again, while while I was reading your book, I was just thinking, wish I had her years ago. (laughs) Because, you know, that is really a huge, huge thing. Because People will say, oh, so when are you going back to work or when are you doing this? When are you doing that? And people are trying to understand what is that new life now because you're not the same. So what does that look like? How does that feel? And and I just love the way you broke that down because if we don't take the time to really figure that out, it's very easy for us to slide backwards, but also- I didn't realize the physical implications, of how somebody's face could, you know, change oh, the yeah. they're in pain or going through things. They're not going to look a certain way, but when they heal, it's like, oh, you're radiant, you're doing all these things. And that's, that's a huge factor there as well. I mean,
1: think about even this basic thing. If you're constantly in fight or flight and your body is coursing with adrenaline and cortisol, your white blood cells are attacking that inflammation that's going to be created. If your white blood cells are busy attacking inflammation, Mm. they're not able to let your body rest. You're not healing. And so every night when you go to sleep, when your cells should be regenerating, your cells are fighting inflammation, not regenerating. So we'll see premature signs of aging. We'll see wrinkles. We'll see big um, like bags underneath the eyes, simple Mm. little things. And this is small over time, it can get even worse. The body can start fighting anywhere. That's like a weak link in your genetic chain. So if you have thyroid issues that are in your family, your Mm -hmm. body will start sending white blood cells to attack your thyroid. So it's really important. It's not even just like a spiritual thing anymore for me It really is like a health concern. Yeah. We should all be dealing with our trauma. It's not something that we can't face. It's something right. that we have to, because eventually, right. I, I mean, take my tale as a cautionary one. Eventually, mm-hmm. we'll get to the point where it bubbles over and we get sick, but we don't have to. We don't have to wait until that moment where we're at rock bottom in order to heal. We can find healing in times of peace, too.
0: Right. Exactly. So, so beautiful and a relief to hear. And I know people listening are just like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to go to our website after this episode. So, And I want to shift gears a little bit because I want to talk about the selfish. I want to talk about the conference and definitely self-sabotage because what I've noticed over the years, and I I would love to hear your perspective on this as well as those who self-sabotage tend to be those who are more aware because they're thinking of, okay, if I do this, then people may judge me. I might feel guilty. I may outgrow people. Whereas the people who don't care they don't sabotage themselves because they're taking 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 they're not worried about anything else so how how can people first acknowledge that hey you're you're not um necessarily even though you are self-sabotaging you're just more aware you're more conscious yeah and how how can they flip that because it sounds like it might be a a subconscious feedback loop in a way
1: it is i mean think about the two people you're talking about let's describe them let's pretend like they're fake people right let's start with chad because the first guy seems like a chad chad was born in nantucket his father's ivy league board of jp morgan like he's got it all together that kid was told every day of his life you're special, you're important. You're going to sit on the board of this one day. You'll go to Harvard like your daddy did. And every day of that kid's life, he's made to feel like he is special. And so he goes to school and his teachers tell him, Chad, shut the hell up. Like you're not special. And he's like, no, no, no. I already learned I'm special. And in those moments, that subconscious feedback loop that he has is blocking his ability to see the negatives. He already has a feedback loop that tells him he's special and he's important and he's going to be someone powerful one day. So when he hears information to the contrary, he's just brushing it off and putting it to the side. And so Chad will go to college and he'll do very mediocre, but he'll get a job exactly where he wants to because he has no fear that that won't happen. And so he won't. He'll believe it and he'll will it into existence because he won't listen to any information of the contrary. Chad doesn't have a lot of shadow. Now let's take someone else for instance. Let's say the other person is Charlotte and Charlotte grew up in a household where mom works two jobs and dad's an alcoholic and every day dad is home, but he's not really there. He's like physically not present mentally. He's somewhere else entirely. Mm -hmm. Mom's working. She's got to raise her siblings. And so at nine years old, Charlotte is raising her six-year-old brother and two-year-old baby sister. And she is so worried about if dad's going to blow up on her or if mom's going to be disappointed because mom relies on Charlotte a lot. Mm -hmm. So the message that she's been getting since she's little is you're not enough. You have to work harder. And so that little girl is going to go to school and she's going to get maybe bees because she's really busy because she's got to take care of kids. She doesn't really have time to study, even though she's trying really hard. Mm -hmm. And so when the teachers tell her you're doing great, we're really proud of you. She can't hear it. Because it doesn't replicate the loop she already has from her dad and from her mom. It goes deep, right? And that is shadow. Because we won't hear anything that brings us out of our norm, that deviates from what we believe. We hear what we want to. We look for reasons to believe what we already believe. And we do that in every sense. Like, look at politics. People want to believe what they already believe. So if you're saying something different, (laughs) I'm out. We believe in politics. Right. I think we should all just, you know, go back to the golden days of staying out of each other's business, and that's a story. Another way to do that. <laughs> <laughs> F- <miss. laughs> either that or witches should run the world, and I feel like that'd be pretty boss. So, you'll see though, in those two different scenarios, we're creating our reality, and this is the reason why those who are really hard on themselves and who have a lot of shadow will actually self-sabotage like crazy, whereas the people who don't, the ones who believe themselves to be special, won't. Mm -hmm. And we can take that girl, Charlotte, we can take her and do the shadow work and change how she sees herself and the world around her. And we can make her like Chad in the sense that she finds that internal strength to believe. No, when I was a kid, there should have been support there. I should have been able to be a child, right. I did the best I could in hard situations. And I'm really proud of what I did. And when she believes that with every fiber of her being, when her brain has shifted and her energy has moved and her emotions and her physical reactions match that she mm-hmm. can manifest anything and she won't self-sabotage anymore. We're not set in stone. We don't have to stay there. And the same could happen for Shad. He could have a huge mental breakdown, end up in prison. Like it could happen. Yeah. Both situations are less likely though, because we are more likely to stay exactly where we are because Mm -hmm. of the ego, that Freudian concept.
0: Mm. Wow, what what a breakdown. Yeah, that explains a lot because I have so many conversations with people that say things like, you know, this guy is really mediocre, but it's maybe who he knows or things like that. But also our our minds play a huge part in that, where it's just like, we're not going to see certain things because we're here. And, and it's sort of like the unsung hero, you know, with, with other people where it's just like, but you're so great. You're doing so, you know, and they don't see it. And what I've noticed over the years too, is that when people tend to see it is because they see, someone else doing the things that they want to do but maybe they didn't put in for that promotion maybe they didn't spruce up their resume maybe they're not going to the gym or whatever it is whatever goal they see people achieving they're now also internalizing they like oh well you know of course they can do it they have time but little do you know that person has their own set of things and maybe going to the gym is their mental health and they're like I have to, or good for their mental health like I have to do this right because they're going through you know whatever thing is for them.
1: Mm -hmm. And so true. We don't know what anybody else is going through, but we always have the ability to change our circumstances if we're willing to. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. So what does it need to be selfish? Let's dive into that.
1: (laughs) Selfish. The idea behind selfish actually came from shadow work where I was spending all this time working on myself. And a lot of people would comment oh, uh, should you be doing that? Like, shouldn't you be going right back into work and right back into doing all these things? And I was like, you want me to go right back into getting cancer again? Is that what this right, is? Like- <laughs> that, that created cancer before. I don't want this to happen again. And so the word right. selfish kept getting thrown at me. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna wear that like a badge of honor. Yes, I'm selfish. And I'm proud to be selfish. And I think all right. women should be. Because when men do things that are selfish, they're rewarded. And when women do things that are selfish, they are yep. punished. So now we're taking ownership of that and being selfish has officially been turned into a good thing.
0: I, I absolutely love that. And you know th- that is so multi-layered. I love how you're just like, I'm, <laughs> excuse me, did you want me to go back to, to that? Yeah. It, and it's, it's such a, a deep, deep, deep programming too. I've seen people, well, first, even when I was going to college and things like that, uh, you know just starting the the other portion of my adulthood and I remember when I first started my my nine to five and early early on and this woman asked me are you married I'm like I'm like I was like 18 19 something like that because I was like just finishing college I'm just like no and nobody's like, asking 18 year old men if they're married right and, and, and asking them that exactly exactly and you know it is there's nothing wrong, and hey, if, if you find a love of your life at that age i I know some people who are still together they're they're married, they've been high school sweethearts, and there's nothing wrong with that, but that should not be a default answer to break the ice, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, no one's asking guys that no and so it's it's one of those things where uh for many generations, it was in particular for women, for some reason, going to college, you're supposed to find your husband? I thought you were supposed to go there for higher learning and to expand your mind. And then after that, you're supposed to get married. Yeah, get a job, but get married, have kids, and then you're going to need two cars. So it's like, where's all that money supposed to come from? And also, you're in your early 20s. You're also trying to figure out who you are and get established, Uh but you're supposed to do all these things. And And also, the
1: men aren't supposed to get married until they're 30. So where are you finding these men?
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's just like, where, where where can people even take the time to understand the different shadow work that needs to be done if that's being drilled in their mind? So I love that you are speaking up and saying, you know what, I'm going to be selfish because I don't want to go back to being burnt out. I don't want to go back to, you know, doing things that aren't giving attention to my body. So when people come to you to, you know, for for help and understanding, do you also uh help them with maybe a, a weekly uh like timeout for them. Like h- how do you help them so they can input time throughout maybe the day or the week so they can check in with their nervous system, check in with their body, check in the, the spiritual, mental, physical.
1: All right. So I think you're reading my mind because I haven't <laughs> made this announcement to anyone yet. And I wasn't planning on it, but I guess I'm gonna do it now. I'm gonna be opening up a membership. That's going to be run through Instagram. Now that that's an option, it's going to be very low fee because it's just my way of giving back to people. And so what we'll do is I'll include all of those things with it. Also include lots of guest conversations with other experts. Um, kind of like my old podcast. I used to bring in people all the time to talk about any number of healthcare related things and shadow work related things. So that is going to be how that's done. But up until this point, it's been more about the conference, which is once a year, this big annual conference where I bring in the best wellness resources that I've encountered in Philadelphia and the immediate surrounding area. And I kind of put everybody in the one place and I go have at it. Everybody get to know who your people are, find out who the resources are, try some things out for free today, like get Reiki done, have some acupuncture, get a massage, talk to someone who is a holistic psychotherapist and meet functional medicine doctors in the area and listen to all these amazing speakers who are coaches or podcast hosts and find your people. That way, when you need them, you know exactly who and where they are.
0: Yes. And who know who they are, where they are. That's a feat of an in itself, because when people do want to seek, you know, wellness, medical help, you have to do that research, and that mm-hmm. takes a lot, too, because if you're going through a lot of things, the last thing you want to do is to figure out, oh, my gosh, I remember for one of my foot surgeries, actually, no, it was my first foot surgery. I had to do research, and I remember specifically picking my doctor because his name, first and foremost, was Michael, and I just, like, my, I love Michael. It reminds me of Archangel Michael, a strong, good name. And then I was looking at his credentials, but it took a little while. And now there's so many more doctors on Google. This was yeah. like back in, what, well, like 2010, my first foot surgery was yeah, 2000. Anyway, it was in the early 2000s, something like that, <laughs> such a long time ago, but now it's, it's so much information. It's like, who do you go to and and are they good for you? Because just they may have five stars are they a good fit for you so I love that you had that conference where it's just like like you said have at it
1: yeah everything is based on my own experiences and what I needed at different times in my life so Mm -hmm. when I was going through cancer I asked my doctor who I had a long-standing relationship with who are the other resources I can use because I feel Mm -hmm. myself sliding into depression I -hmm. had a therapist at the time which was a godsend but I didn't have any other people on my team, and she said, "I don't know. There's a couple pamphlets in the hallway if you want to check them out."
0: Okay.
1: And I was like, "What the fuck am I gonna do with your pamphlets? Like, I don't have <laughs> the mental bandwidth right but now. Yeah. I'm literally going through cancer treatment. I have two kids right. at home. I had to put my entire life on pause, my career on pause. Right. I just don't have it in me to do research right now. Right. And so I vowed to myself then that everything I could do to make and anyone else not have to go through that, I would." So right. I my practice, the wellness collective at that time, which is a holistic healing center. We're now virtual because with the pandemic, it turned mm-hmm. out people preferred being virtual. So I kept my center city office open for a little bit. I was like, what am I doing? We'll just switch yeah. on virtual, but it's Reiki, psychotherapy, coaching, shadow work, past life regressions, oh. free yoga classes on Saturdays. Yeah. And all those yoga classes are recorded. Plus we do events like Selfish Philly and then Selfish Philly itself. It was really about making sure that when you're healthy, you know who to turn to if you're not. Mm-hmm. And also to have the option to do some of that preventative work. Because there's so many things I didn't know. Even me with my background and with my work in healthcare, mm-hmm. I didn't know how many different options there were. And now I'm sure I only know a percentage of it, but at least I know more. And that feels really good. And it feels good that other people have that too.
0: No, for sure. And yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up uh, past life because when, when I read about your story, I'm like, oh, she reminded me, I want to do, I want to get a past life reading. <laughs> done. Collective. I'll hook you up. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It, it, yeah. I need that. I need that in my life. It's a huge and, part of shadow work. Oh, sorry. Say again.
1: Past lives are a huge part of shadow work.
0: Oh yes, yes, yes. And I, I definitely want to dive deeper into that because, you know, th- th- there are some, certain things that, um, I don't like, and I'm just thinking it has to be from a past life because we we're only born with the fear of loud noises and falling. Mm-hmm. So when I have like this fear or this kind of uh, reaction to something and I never had an experience with them, it's like. Why am I bothered by this? Things, yeah. So I had this
1: very irrational fear of mirrors as a kid. Mm-hmm. Could not figure out why for the longest time until I saw a past life where I had something happen to me and I saw it happen in the mirror, the thing behind Mm. me coming up for me. And it wasn't until that that I was like, oh, duh. And now mirrors don't bother me at all. And being a girl growing up in an Italian household where there's mirrors everywhere, that was horrible. (laughs) 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 I was so scared of them for no reason. Past life work is amazing for that and a lot of other things too. We don't realize how much trauma we carry from those past experiences. And when you think about the number of years that you've had on this lifetime and how much trauma you carry, amplify that by hundreds or thousands.
0: Right, exactly. And and it's another form of freedom as well, because once we learn that, now the very thing that was holding us back, that we think, oh, I don't like to speak in public. Maybe you were a witch in your past life and you were hung or drowned or something like that because you were speaking up yep. and you're just like which wound is so huge yeah yeah exactly and it's unfortunate but it's needed like shadow work all that's needed being selfish is needed you because like you were saying it's so important because if you don't make time for yourself if you don't understand like earlier in the episode your categories you are going to be running on less than e okay it's just is not a good place to be and that needs to no longer be um, highlighted as as a badge of honor if people are going through that especially as you know entrepreneurs and we're we're juggling a lot you know we are going to get burnt out but now we can catch it before it happens and then we can spread more of that knowledge as opposed to just you know, encouraging that, because there are more ways to do it, and now it's easier to do certain things where when like when I started and you know when other people started so many years ago, Instagram was just starting or didn't yeah. exist, you know so we we had to do so many things manually and and you know unfortunately a lot yeah, of I miss those steps. right, so it's difficult right, so it's it's much, much better now, so do you feel like? Uh, the, the way you are able to present now is a bit more streamlined, a bit more easier to to reach and get out there to people? Oh, 100%.
1: I think we've really shifted into more of this feminine era of energy, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. I've been feeling it since the pandemic very heavily, but the fears leading up to it too. Where yeah. Before that point, we really had like, think about the women in the 80s where it was like, everybody put on a pantsuit, everybody get a job, you go to work, you feel like a badass. And the hustle was up on this pedestal. And when we started getting into the early 2000s, 2010s, it started to change. And I think social media has had a huge piece of that because now that we're all connected in a way that we never have been before, Mm -hmm. we're realizing how little we need to do in order to reach people if we're doing it right. So -hmm. for me, with trying to reach more people with shadow work, it isn't about producing content, just getting it out there. It's not about hustle, hustle, It's about being thoughtful and being creative and slowing down and thinking about how can I best serve people. And when you come from that place, it just has a huge impact and it creates that ripple effect that would have only been possible before if you hustled like crazy and spent a ton of money. And now you don't need to spend any and you don't need to dedicate a ton of time either. Right,
0: right. The tides have turned for sure. And And I love it. I love it. We have dive into so much and I am just so 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 grateful for this conversation and I will definitely definitely will be reaching out to you afterwards because like I said I, I need the, the past life regression we <laughs> need to talk I want to dive deeper into this and so any final thoughts that you want to share and also if you have anything upcoming let us know
1: Yeah. So upcoming, I've got some book signings that are going to be happening in the Philadelphia area and surround from about King of Prussia through Philly and up through Jersey. And I'm trying to schedule a couple in New York when I'm home visiting my family. So we'll see about those. I'll make the announcement of all of those on my social media in about a week or two. And I'd love to meet some of you guys in person. And I'll be sharing stories from the book that I haven't shared with anybody, which will be a lot of fun. And then um, in terms of Final thoughts. I think the one thing that I always want to hit home, and this is really important for me, is that you do not need to do shadow work with me. You don't have to work with me in any capacity. Mm -hmm. Find something that resonates with you find some Mm -hmm. modality that makes your heart sing Mm -hmm. and do that inner work in whatever capacity you want to Mm -hmm. find Joe Dispenza's work and go to one of his conferences, find Shaman Direct. I love his work. He's so powerful and he comes at it from a different angle, but find something because you don't Mm -hmm. have to live life the way that you are right now. You're meant for more.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. That is Again, all I can say is beautiful because it it really is. It's it's needed, and it's needed by someone who gets it and who can break it down in in a way that people can understand and not to incite fear and you know just really shed light on shadow work
1: (laughs) 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 my group program is called create your light academy because I'm like it is not dark and scary in fact it's where you're going to find your power and I mean that right
0: yes yes I feel like it's it's like going to your personal underworld and then you're coming up on the other side lots of cry sessions but it's a it's like a cleansing
1: Mm -hmm. it's a release yeah, there's a silly meme. I love memes. And there's a silly meme that I put up on Instagram a couple of weeks ago of like before shadow work. And it's like some demonic creature and afterwards. And afterwards it's like a little kitten with wings. <laughs> like, <it> just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Basically it. That shadow work in a nutshell. You think it's gonna be terrifying, but it right. actually isn't as bad as you think, and you're gonna feel amazing when you get to no. it. It'll become an addiction.
0: Right. And it's it's the freedom, you know, it's just
1: you're There's so about.
0: much programming that now, again, like you stated in your book, creating the life of your dreams. Yeah. So okay. thank you so much for coming on the show. This was again, beautiful is the word. This was beautiful. This was refreshing. It was a relief and I know it's going to help people for many years to come. And so everyone, I am sending you so many blessings lots of love. You know I'm rooting for you. Be kind to yourself. Until next time.